Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose and our series, The Life. And we're on program number 61 in the series, The Life. And uh, we're going to call this one Lessons from Old. Uh, well, there's a lot of lessons from old, but... That's what we're going to call this one because there's a there's a lot of lessons in in this particular study. particular study. Okay. Thank you for I'm a little tongue tied today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Susan, would you would you open the program with a word of prayer, please? Yes, our loving Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we have the opportunity to not just look and read about the lessons of old, but with your help and with your Holy Spirit, we can implement the correct lessons into our minds and hearts. And um, we're thankful that you work with broken people like us, and we just pray that you will guide our our thoughts and our words. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we look at the story uh, today, the program is based on Mark 11 and Matthew 21. But as we look at the story, kind of kind of want to look, at the Bible through a different lens. And what we're going to talk about probably in the next couple of programs is, and Susan and I were talking earlier today about this, you know, the, the, there are certain doctrines people call heresy and, and you you bring up uh, in certain circles, you bring up this way of looking at the Bible and someone will call that heresy or you interpret a certain verse as this way or that way and someone will say, no, no, that's, that's heresy. And I, I personally... Myself, the biggest heresy, I think, in the Christian faith, faith is is not looking at the Bible through a love lens. In other words, not loving your neighbor or God is the biggest heresy. Right. So loving yourself more than you do your neighbor. Exactly. That is heresy. Well, loving, it, loving yourself and your own opinion uh, That's without, an idol. Right. Worshiping your own opinion. Right. And, and so, so as we talk about these things in fact I'd, I'd like to flip one thing around before we get into the study and and talk about you know the bible it, it's it's not a code book of of deeds to be done or sins to be shunned it, it shouldn't be looked at like that it should be looked at relational what does the story tell or when jesus says if you look on a woman to lust for after her you've already committed adultery in your heart in other words it's relational. It's love related through and through, and it's and well, and and not only love related, but it's character related. Character related, which right. yeah, do you have the character of love, or or do you have, do we have the selfish character, which is, 
you know me above everybody me above else. everybody else mm-hmm. yeah the, the the speck is in my eye and the log is in yours rather than jesus flipping that around and saying no the loving thing to do is to treat everyone else's sin as, as the, the little spe- pe- as the little piece of dust right and look at your own as the log mm-hmm. because there's just so many I, facets to this thing, uh, uh, how to be a loving person. Right, and I think we talked about it. So when Jesus said that, it's like, can you, if you ha- get a, a word picture in your mind, it's like us walking, uh, like the religious people walking around with these big beams coming out of their eyes, smacking people everywhere they went because the beam is so big and it's protruding out of someone's face, right? Yeah. Yeah, when the other person just has a, it's a speck, so it's a a. a, a a dust particle. And that's the way we should look at things because once again, we judge ourselves on our intentions and we judge others by their actions and it makes us feel better to put their sins as deal breaker sins and ours are just minor. Right. And 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 to be completely open, we we went around as those people with the logs in our eyes smacking people around with our beliefs and and insisting or, uh, you know, requiring people that we knew, um, you know, lived up to the checklist that we had in our book and saying, you know, if you don't uh, do these things, then you're not worthy. It's hard work trying to get someone else to reframe their life and look through your lens. Right. You can't do that. Their background is different. What they've been through is different. And we cannot reframe right i think i think one time you told the object lesson about a shoe box yeah yeah you know you you go along in your life and you put all these things in this in this box and a lot of them are things you do and a lot of things are things you learned and along the what way you eat. what you eat all these things the way you worship all these things and they're all good things in and of themselves and they're all catered to your background right they're all looking through your lens and then we take that box and 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 a lot of you know and we 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 and you can encounter a new person yeah and you want to take that box and you want to shove it down someone else's throat right you say this is the way it needs to be for for just for instance okay just if when i say the statement and this is gonna sound like heresy, but <laughs> when I say that 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 adultery has nothing to do with sex, right? Adultery is betrayal, right? Is what it is, right? And and betrayal is, and so when Jesus and says, selfishness, you know, and so in selfishness, exactly. And so when Jesus says, and if you're looking at at at, at the Bible as a code book on on deeds to be done and sins to be shunned, then you look at let's just take reality. You got two people; they've been married. Uh, a husband and wife, they've been married about 20 years. Neither one of them has been um, physically physically active with anybody else, okay? Right. But unfaithful they, with somebody unfaithful, else. Unfaithful. Right. But they don't get along. Right. And they, But they need to split, or, and they kind of like are waiting for one or the other to commit adultery so they can go, ah, the now, rule has been broken. Now I'm clear. Now I'm clear. That's not what Jesus was saying. When you when you flip this thing around and you look through the law of love, what the Bible is saying is when when you divorce a woman and she marries another, that you are you are making her commit adultery. Now imagine they've been married twenty years, they don't get along, but they still have feelings for one another. Right. And when you divorce a woman who has been faithful to you, 
and she marries another, in her mind, she still has feelings for her first. They've been been together 20 years. Mm -hmm. They've had intimate times together, wonderful times together. Mm -hmm. And now you cause her in her mind to commit adultery because she's with another man. That's what Jesus is saying. This Bible is relational, relationships. Think of the the torn and the broken relationships. And so when you have you have a man, especially back in his day when they would when they would divorce for whatever, and as long as they just had to give a, a writ of divorce, hand it to the woman and say, you're on your own. And she still has feelings for the man, but now you force her to go get married to someone else or else she's going to be a street girl. And when she does and she still has feelings for that first husband, it's not, it scrambles up the brain. Right. So she's still betraying her first husband. Basically. Right. In her mind. In her mind, her feelings. See, that's what Jesus is talking about. Right. So, and I I think it kind of comes down to, um, you know, there's, there, I think what you said was, you know, what you believe in and what the checklist is, but what is your character and what are your actions? Mm -hmm. And um, so, because out of the heart, you know, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Yeah, the abundance, uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right, and so um, regardless of what um, we may see in somebody else, Jesus is saying, "I look way deeper." Mm-hmm. That's why he says we can't judge anybody because he says, "You know what? You look on the outside, but I can look into the heart of somebody and know their heart." Whereas human beings, we can't. And um, so I think that's a thing. And I think in this world today, that's kind of where we're getting all mixed up. Um, you know, we, we are being disconnected from people Mm -hmm. and therefore all we can do is put people in categories or put people in groups, right? Give them labels. And, and that's, that's not what Jesus did. And I think that's the purpose that we hear the disciples recounting all the individual stories about how Jesus treated people on an individual basis. Yeah. There, there are no labels in the kingdom. Right. And and he said, you know, if you've seen the Father, or if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus is trying to come and say, um, you know, we're about heart restoration, right? We're about changing the heart and mind so that it corresponds to, it changes from a heart of selfishness into a heart of love. Because unless you're you're willing to operate within the realm and let your selfishness and self-seeking and self-motivation, if you're not willing to let that go, then you're going to be out of harmony with, with God God's and, universe. Exactly. And, right. and we lose, Jesus, that's the, the danger of sin, is we lose the very capacity to love. Right. And then... Heaven would be torture. Right. And then some people will listen to our program and say, love, love, love. You're all about lovey-dovey stuff. And that's not what we're saying. That we're saying that that there is a, a, a design principle, a, a foundational principle in God's kingdom, one of the most foundational principles, and that's um, love and unselfishness. Mm-hmm. And we see that throughout the Bible stories, and we see how God gave, Jesus gave, and and it's better to give than to receive. That those are the principles that are woven within the Word of God. That mm-hmm. um, it, it's more than just an emotional thing. It's actually a um, it's an it's a um, well, it's a design law, right? It's Lo- how it's how, how, how the universe designed. operates. And so, as we look into the story, uh, 
and actually we're going to talk about the 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 fig tree that, that Jesus cursed mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and so that that uh, one always kind of confused it, yeah, me you know yeah and and we'll understand mm-hmm. why because uh you know the fruits of the spirit are love joy peace those are fruits those are a byproduct of a character that is Christ like okay that's how that works so let's get into the story after Jesus uh rode into Jerusalem, he spent the entire night in prayer. And then in, in the morning, he went to the, the temple, and on the way, he passed a fig orchard. He, he was hungry, and the Bible says, And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Right. It wasn't the season for ripe figs, especially in certain localities. But in the orchard that Jesus came to, one tree appeared to be in advance of all the others. It was already covered with leaves. It was the nature of this particular fig tree that before the leaves open, the growing fruit appears. And so it's... It, as we're going to see, this is an object lesson. Right, that okay? he's telling that about. He's telling and, and, about the condition of his own people. So he's setting it up. So, and, and so we kind of. Figs. Figs. Figs is, this, is, a, is a very popular uh, subject in our house. And and we have how many fig trees planted in our little? 15 or 18, something like yeah, that. Yeah, we have several fig trees planted. And it, it was. It was like a no-brainer for us when we were planting fruit trees because fig trees are the the easiest trees to grow. They they don't take much. They don't take much water once they're established. Not too much care. You can kind of just let them go as they will, and they produce some of the most beautiful, delicious um, f- uh, fruit that is, I think, known to man. Yep. And we have how many varieties do we, we have? We have a brown turkey, a cadota, a mission, an Adriatic, which is a kind of, I think, like a king version. So it's green on the outside and purple, dark, beautiful purple on the inside. And they can be used with, for so many, you can use them for so many things. I love to just take them and cook them down and then can them in a jar and use them for our almond butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, we like to take them and cut them in half and put a little bit of goat cheese on them and broil them so that it's a warm delicious appetizer or dry them or um just all kinds of good things you can so, do with figs so our fig trees do what are expected of them correct and that is to bear fruit we had one tree that somebody gave us as a gift do you remember that tree? yeah and, and we we did what the other story about the fig tree correct. we planted we it we planted it right. and we we digged it and we fertilized it and it did not produce fruit and we did that year well it produced year. fruit oh the dry fruit yeah, yeah you it opened no it up and it was dry it was and no so good. we yeah. thought well let's wait till next year let's make sure it gets plenty maybe it didn't get enough water yeah, and we, then we fed it some some natural fertilizer. We babied that tree because it was a gorgeous tree, and we kept yeah. waiting and waiting and waiting for fruit. And then finally, the fruit came and it was dry. Yeah. So we tried year after year, and then kind of waited too long because they're really hard to tear out once. Yes, once they're, they're very invasive. Yeah. And it ended up that it was a male tree that it's and it's incapable of producing good fruit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So the fig tree that Jesus approached should have had well-developed fruit in other words it's but its appearance it was deceptive jesus found nothing but leaves it's uh it was really beautiful had a lot of foliage but that was it and it's it's indication 
was that at that stage that type of fruit should have that type of tree should have had fruit. Yeah, by by its indication. Yeah. Right. So Christ uttered against it a withering curse. He said, "No man eat fruit of this tree, fruit fruit of this tree hereafter forever." Christ act. Christ's act in cursing the tree had astonished the disciples. It seemed to them unlike his ways and works. Often they had heard him declare that he came not to condemn this world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah, they remembered his words, The Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Luke 9, verse 56. His wonderful works had been done to restore, never to destroy. The disciples had known him only as the restorer, the healer. And this act stood alone. What was its purpose, they questioned. Right, because God delights in mercy. And in Micah 7, it says, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. To him, the work of destruction and denunciation of judgment is a strange work, Isaiah twenty-eight twenty-one. But it is in mercy and love that he lifts the veil from the future and reveals to men the results of a course of sin. Yeah, so the cursing of the fig tree, as like we talk about a lot of times on this program, was an acted parable. It was a, it was a metaphor. That barren tree flaunting its pretentious foliage in the very face of Christ was a symbol of the Jewish nation of that day. Jesus wanted to make make it plain to his disciples the cause and the certainty of Israel's doom. It was pride. Right. They had boasted of their knowledge, but they were ignorant of the requirements of God. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And and they were also full of hypocrisy. And aren't we all by nature full of hypocrisy that, and that's, pride? That's what we do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hypocrisy is... Uh, well, a hypocrite is a is an actor that plays many different parts, right. but never himself. Right. That's, that's what you call a hypocrite. We judge others by their actions. We talked about that right. earlier. It's easy. It is so easy to point out the faults of others because we judge them by their actions. But we judge, our, judge ourselves by our, intent, our intentions. And our intentions are always good. You know, we think of all these wonderful things we want to do or we should do or we could do. Do we follow through on them? And I know sometimes, uh, I think as I reflect at night on the day that has just passed, man, I shouldn't have said that. Man, I shouldn't have said, oh, man, I should have never done that. And I think of all these things, and I realize, you know, that's that's me, is what I did. Mm-hmm. Not what I wanted to do, right. or not what I should have done. Right. And so then I give myself a break, because it's me, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. we don't give anybody else a break. Mm-hmm. It's, we're twisted. You know? Right, we want to. We don't. We we don't want to judge other people the way we judge ourselves, and we don't want anybody else to be judging us either. Right, right. right. Uh, but just like the barren tree, the Jewish um, church had spread their pretentious branches way out in in this luxurious appearance and beautiful to the eye, but they yield nothing but leaves. The Jewish religion, with its magnificent temple, its sacred altars, its mitered priests, and impressive ceremonies, looked great in outward appearance, but humility, love, and benevolence were lacking. Okay, so now we're back to love. Hmm. So you spoke earlier about the requirements of God. There are requirements because this, this planet is designed to function a certain way. So we need to go back to 
to design on. One of the requirements of God in order for a human being to live is that we breathe. Mm-hmm. You don't breathe, you don't live. Right. And another thing... What's another requirement? Another requirement is that we eat. That we, we have eat. to eat food. That's to, a design law. Right. Right? Absolutely. Very simple. Another one is that we drink water. Another design law. Another is that we love one another. It's built into our design. The religious leaders of the day didn't love one another. Well, you, they professed <laughs> to know all that. They had the beautiful right, leaves. Right. It's kind of like the story of St. Simeon. Was that his Oh, yeah. Name? Remember him? St. Simeon Stylites. Yes. Yeah, he, he, wa- he, just, he just felt so convicted that he needed to be away from the sinners of the world to keep himself holy. Yeah. He built a, a pinnacle and sat on it and had people bring him food. And he sat up there for who knows how years many years. And years and years and years. I think as it got taller and taller because he didn't want to be corrupted by the right. sin in the world right exactly and i think sometimes we can do that in our clicks right church yeah. has clicks and we can do that and um, we separate ourselves from the very people that need us and we label people and once again that is the opposite of the way the kingdom of god works because god entered right into our sin mm-hmm. took our sinful condition he went to the lepers. He went to the blind people. He went to the sick people. He entered right in. Right. And that's what love does. That's right. And there will be no haters no. in heaven. The no. time to grow our characters is now so that we're not haters. It's the way God has designed things. That's why we continue to hear in the Bible, love one another, pray for one another, love your enemies, love God. God is love, and perfect love casts out fear. Exactly. Hate drives and is be, and is driven by fear. And then you have another design law when you hate, and that is called the law of escalation. When one hates another, it escalates and it escalates and it escalates and it never it doesn't get better. Right. Because fear kills, fear makes us selfish, fear causes us to be proud and not to want to have an open mind. That's just the way fear works. Right. Fear we protect our beliefs, we protect our opinion, we put people into groups, and it... it, Separates us from the love of God, right? Right, right. So all the fig trees in the orchard were, they they didn't have fruit, but they weren't expected to yet. See, and this one tree had the foliage, so it was expected to have fruit. And so um, that's why there was a disappointment. And so the Gentiles... They were represented in the metaphor as the the trees that weren't expected to have fruit, mm, mm-hmm. while the tree with all the beautiful leaves represented the, the religious people of the day as expecting to have these fruits. And once again, these fruits are the fruits of the Spirit, right. which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. And so when we look at this lens, once again, it wasn't a matter of, of Jesus going in there and, and telling the fig tree, nobody's going to eat from you. He was really trying to draw a picture, and it is a really beautiful picture. Right. And Jesus had come to Israel and um, hungering to find them in the fruits of righteousness. And he had lavished his gifts on them that they might bear fruit for a blessing for the world. Every opportunity and privilege had been granted them, and in return, he sought their sympathy and cooperation of his work with grace. And I don't think that that's changed. No, God, 
remember the other parable where he we where he dug the tree and he watered it and he he just keeps working god doesn't shut his love off we shut him out right it's his nature his nature is love and that when we open our hearts that is what's character building to be able to see him in his glory which is allowing his creation to nail him to a cross mm-hmm. that's god's glory right and it and it like paul says it looks foolish like f- foolishness, foolishness to the world mm-hmm. but w- and you know do, do you want your king to ride into your heart on a donkey cuz that's how jesus came mm-hmm. you know are are, are in you in a o- humble manner are you okay with a king like that that god will enter into your sin that god will fellowship with you right where you're at right where you're at we're gonna have to wrap it up again that was a quick program wasn't it Mm -hmm. uh drop us a line uh 916-645-1297 we have materials susan can ship them out to you and remember folks there's only two ways to live your life one is like nothing is a miracle the other is like everything is a miracle and you have the freedom to choose do i love my neighbor Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.